Come on, let's just take a moment to honor God on Vision Sunday. Apart from Him, we can't do anything of significance, but we don't have to do life apart from Him. We have Him with us. He is for us. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. And we exalt you today. Come and speak to us, Holy Spirit. We have hearts that are ready, ears that are open, minds that are engaged. Let our spirit connect with your heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at y'all. Y'all look like Super Bowl champion church today. Welcome to Vision Sunday. And one thing we do, uh, we started this year, is the reading of the scripture together as a community of faith, reading it out loud together. And so would you join me as we read today, especially how it lined up perfectly with our Bible reading. It's the Great Commission. What a day for Vision Sunday for us to be declaring what Jesus told his followers to do. Before he left and sent the Holy Spirit, he says, hey, this is priority number one. Can we read this together from Matthew 28, starting in verse 18? Everyone together. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I'm surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. God is with us. God is for us. And he has a mission. He's got a mission for us as well. You know, we wanted to kick off Vision Sunday a little differently. Uh, in fact, we had to race from the plaza to be here. Let's tell the truth. Oh, by the way, can we welcome those that are online and the men of Lansing Correctional? Hello, guys. I was with them just this last week, and we had a great time live and in person. It was, it was amazing. And one of the things that it's kind of cool being big in prison, you know, famous in prison. It's awesome. Uh, one of the guys came out the first thing he says, like, man, you look a lot bigger in person than you do on the screen. I'm like, we need a bigger screen <laughs> at Lansing. But um, one thing we've really been moved in our hearts this Vision Sunday is just, just linger in a moment of prayer. Because we've done Vision Sundays, and we'll have five things that we're going to do, three things that we're going to focus on, two endeavors, a new slogan, a new statement. And we've got all that stuff, and that stuff is beautiful. But if we do not have the presence of God working with us, in us, and through us, then what we have isn't going to work very much. In fact, today, more than any other Vision Sunday, we want to linger in time with the Holy Spirit in prayer together. Uh, we've seen, um, I don't know if you've followed anything that's going on this Asbury University prayer revival. Gen Z led just a simply stripped down time of prayer and worship. It's happening at other colleges too. It's catching on Lee University in Tennessee and Anderson College in Indiana. Uh, these, these Christian schools are like leaning lingering in the presence of God. And what started for hours of worship has become days. It's gone into weeks. And we just want to strip some things away. Not to mimic that, but if God does that there, how many know he can do that anywhere? And we want him to do that here in our hearts and in our lives. And so the Bible says, if my people are called by my name, if, if my people, they humble themselves not life humbling you, not God humbling you. You choose to humble yourself. And we pray and we seek his face. And if we turn from our wicked ways, or just say this, if we have repentance in our life, that we're willing to address the places that our life is out of order and we change directions. Says if we do that, then God says, this is what I'll do. I'm gonna hear from heaven. I'm gonna actually bring forgiveness in the place of their sins. I'm gonna restore their inside world. And then I'm gonna heal their land. If we will, he will. If we will, he will. I mean, God's always going to do his word. God's always going to take due on his promises. The problem is if we will. And so Liz and I, in talking through this week, we thought we just want to kick off what we think is a very significant season for us as a community of faith. That we want the we will of heaven, God's will of heaven. The What will he do if we do our part? And so we're going to linger in some time of prayer. It's abnormal for us. How I many normal isn't working right now? This world is abnormal. And it's going to take something different. And it's going to take a different spirit. It's going to take a different heart. And we want to get in line and in tune with the very heartbeat of God 
for our church and honestly for your own personal renewal and revival as well. Amen. Yeah, so we're going to just take a moment and um, we're just going to pray through a couple things. And I think anytime, and, and just in life, if you only stay in your comfort zone, you won't be that successful in life. You won't be able to take your business to another level, parenting to another level, relationships to another level. You just stay where you're comfortable and it will get stagnant. Well, it's the same with the Lord. So you might say, well, what, is, what does that mean? This is a church you, you can never wonder. This is a church that is fully grounded theologically on the scripture, on the word of God. And part of the authority of the written word of God, which God gave us to live. He was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. The words that he said to us was that I have to go so I can leave who I had. And if you can walk with the person that I walked with, you'll actually see greater works than I did. I mean, hello, Jesus saying greater works than I did because I'm gonna go to the Father. That's how much he believed in us. Yeah. So as we pray, is what we're doing, we're humbling ourselves. The Bible, we were talking about this last night, and the, the Bible doesn't just say those who come and pray. Those who humble themselves and pray. So the first posture of coming to church should be humility. Yeah. The first posture of leading a church should be humility. The first posture as we're pursuing to look more like Jesus and act more like Jesus, wherever you're at in your faith journey, that's okay. But one thing we can all do today is just humble ourselves. And we believe that when we do that is what happens is personal revival begins to start in our own hearts. And I got on fire for Jesus as a sorority girl in college. And all my best friends from college, from high school went to the same college as me and we all joined the same sorority. And I changed and they were like, who are you? Because the love of God began to radically transform my heart. And I've been praying God, that same love that transformed my heart when I was 18 years old. God, would it, would it wreck my heart again? With, a, with my heart, can it catch on fire again? Not in a way that I've experienced in the past, but in a brand new way. So can we just open up our hands right now? Can you just begin to cry out to God just in your own words right now? Can you say, God, do something new in my heart. God, do something new in my world. God, do something new in our marriage. God, do something new in our home, in our neighborhood, in our community. God, would you move? Father, we repent, Father, of getting things out of priority. Lord, we don't look for the blessing. You are the one we're after. We don't look for you to give us more, to do more. We want to know you more. We want to walk with you more. We want your presence in our life. We want to be marked by who you are. Lord, we don't just want to be all spiritual. Father, no, we want our feet firmly grounded on earth and our ears so in tune to heaven. So, Father, at the intersection of faith and culture, we can begin to make a difference, God, that we can begin to reach our worlds with your love, not with religion. Lord, we pray today that it would be less of us, that people around us would just, it wouldn't be like because we're talking so much spiritual talk or trying to impress people or now we're going to church and our friends aren't and it feels weird. No, God, just that they would know us by your love in our life. That they would begin to recognize that there is less of them and I'm seeing more of something and I like it, but I'm not sure what it is and it's Jesus. So Jesus, we look to you today. Lord, let personal revival not be hype, not be something we conjure up. I thank you, you're moving revival past marketing. People that are trying to market things, but they're not living it. Father, I thank you, it's gonna be pure. It's gonna be authentic. You're gonna use the least likely of those to do the greatest things, Father. I pray for our young people. I pray for Gen Z. I pray for our high school students, our junior high students. Father, I pray right now for college students, Lord, that you you would fill them with the boldness to be a witness, Father.
Jesus. And Lord, I pray for all of us just that are adulting in life. It's easy just to grow comfortable. There's so much to do. There's so much to manage. Raising kids is no small thing, but Father, in a humble place, would you stir our hearts for the things that are close to yours? And we thank you and we praise you. Like King David prayer, God, we pray that you would create in us a new heart. Like Ezekiel declared, that you would take out the heart of stone and give us that supple, soft heart again. But whatever has caused the hardness in our heart, the conflicts of life, or maybe we have veered off from you being first and you being priority in our pursuit in life. Lord, we come back to that place, personal revival. David said, would you give us a new spirit, a right spirit, that we're not cast away from your presence. Your Holy Spirit isn't gone. He's right here, and He's right now. I pray revival in our intimacy and pursuit of Jesus personally, that we don't show up on Sunday just to get something, but we come to Sunday to bring our best to you because you're the one that's given us everything. And from that posture of giving back and that posture of humility, you pour out renewal and change and revival individually for marriages, for sons and daughters, for fathers and mothers. You're doing a restorative work. And where the fire has gone out, Lord, I thank you, you're fanning it to flame the embers again. That you get all the glory and all the credit and you go first. Or we praying for unity in our church. Unity in our church community, not just a church community where we have friends, but Lord, we're united around what you are excited about in our lives and in our future. That great commission that we have a mandate from heaven to reach the world and to make disciples and to not just stay here and about us, but to pour out for others. Lord, we pray like that, the prayer of Jesus in John 17, let it be answered in our lives, that we would be one as Jesus and the Father would want, be one, and that the world would see the validity of our Savior by the way that we humbly serve and care and encourage one another. I pray upon common unity, where the Bible says where there is unity, it is a beautiful thing, where a blessing will flow. So we pray a blessing in this house and a blessing in our families and a blessing in our church because we're united with you, not all in uniformity looking alike, but believing the same about what matters the most, that people really are the promised land, that heaven is significant and the way that we live our life matters for eternity. And so, Lord, I pray that any bit of pride or insecurity, any, any bit of superiority goes. Because at the cross where we all stand because of the gift of Jesus and his grace, it's a level playing field. And we look out for the betterment and the encouragement and the equipping of one another. We cheer each other on into the race and the high calling of every single life and every single heart. In Jesus' name and from repentance. And from unity comes a flow of revival through our church. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Would you revive our church? Would it just not stay here? Would it be so significant that it flow out to all of the city? In Jesus' name. That marriages are revived. That families and fathers and mothers are revived back to children. That prodigals return home. The generations are changed. The generational curses are broken. A generational momentum begins to happen. There's something that would happen here in Kansas City, the heart of America, would have a ripple effect across our whole nation. We pray over city officials and leaders, state government, over our nation's leadership, over the things happening all over the world. Who are we to think that we could do anything right here? But Lord, by your power in unity through revival, Lord, you can change anything. And you can use the least of these things to confound the wise. So we say what the prophet said back to you in response to a task that seemed impossible. Here we are, Lord. Here we are with open hands and open hearts. Here we are, God, with humble hearts, ready to do what you asked of us. So would you do something first in us 
and then together with us as a church. And then ultimately, would you do something through us that, God, you get all the glory for. The salvation of many. We pray salvation season in our church. Salvation season in our city. We pray that we're growing and maturing in our faith as disciples of Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you that there's a revival breaking out through what you're wanting to do in us, through us, that is bigger than us. And let us never even try to take any of the credit for it, but give all the glory to our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many like a little weird Sunday every once in a while? Awesome. Thank you, baby. We love you. So tonight on the plaza at 6 o'clock, we're going to keep praying. If you uh, are able to come, I'd love to have you there. If you can't join us in prayer in person, be praying. Before we get vision, we know that if we don't have humble hearts, that's not going to matter. It's not going to be significant. And I do feel, Liz, and I really do feel God is stirring something very abnormal in our church. Very different than what we've experienced before. My heart as a pastor is to make sure that I equip you and encourage you, even challenge you, that you join us on the journey of doing it differently in this year. Amen? Amen. Can we thank the worship team for lingering there with us for a while? You guys can grab your seat. I don't have a ton of time, but I want to jump. And you guys grab your seats too. So we continue to pray, and we're going to pray. I'm going to share a little bit more in the future, but in just a few moments. But in Kingdom City, we say we have a, a kingdom to build in a city. We're, we're building people that bring heaven to earth. But one of our other taglines is we have a, a kingdom to build and a city to reach. Anytime that we're building the church, by the church I mean the people of God, living for the purpose of God. Anytime we're building that, it's actually we're building something that's eternal. It's the kingdom of God. It's everlasting. Uh, we are building some things, naturally speaking, that are very exciting as a church. Um, our, we have a south location, which if you don't know, um, we have purchased a building that is worth in the over $10 million. We purchased for $2 million. How many think that's just worth giving God some glory for right there? It's pretty awesome. And we have a fundraising to do. We have to build this baby out. And I'm excited to share with you for the first time publicly that we've given $1.2 million. Come on. How many think that's worth glorifying? Oh, we do better than that. That's radical generosity. Radical generosity. And that's even more worth celebrating if you know where we've come from. And it's been 12 years. And 12 amazing years and sometimes 12 hard years. Uh, we built this church. But when Liz and I moved up here, uh, that number of your generosity church, which I'm so grateful for, is so significant. We moved up here. We didn't know a soul in the city. And, and we had a, our life savings, which <laughs> wasn't much of a savings. Uh, and then we had about $6,000 given to us to start this church. Think about where we've come from and where we are. It's pretty miraculous in nature. Now, we still have got room to go. We're under $2 million left that we need to bring in, and we're going to get there. Why do I know we're going to get there? Even though it seems, for one person, it seems like a crazy amount, but nothing's too big for our God. And by the way, we're going to get into that space. I believe we're going to get in there this year before the end of the year. And why do I believe that? Because we're taking new ground because God is with us, and God is for us, and God is in this. And so I want to thank you for your part that you have played. And I also want to encourage everyone in this church family, Everyone who believes the mission of Jesus working through Kingdom City Church, this is our time, first and foremost, to pray for God to bring his provision. And then we all play our part, knowing that collectively, your greatest sacrifice and my greatest sacrifice stirred together by the grace of God. I believe it's actually going to be more than enough to do the ministry God has for us as we continue to reach people and break through in generations and new places even in our city. God's up to something significant. Now, this week, we meet with the builders, and we're reworking some of the space because some things that are on our heart, it pertains to Vision Sunday. Uh, through our House of Hope space, we're restructuring some of that space so that we can have a holistic mental health opportunity to, to, to counsel, encourage, and help people in their inner world. How I many of the last couple of years have brought a whole lot of exposure to people's inner pain and Struggling words. So we're going to have a counseling and care center as a part of our, our local church. For us as a church family, come on, you know, God wants to grow you inside and out. There's been barriers in your mind and in your heart. Yes, God can do something supernaturally, but 
Often he does work through great counsel and therapy to bring the rejuvenation of the soul, spirit, and mind all working together. And we're into creating healthy 360 disciples. But also for the people in our city who their marriage is on the brink and they can't afford it. That we have the space to sponsor them, to get the care that they need, to be the church that truly meets every need in the city. We're creating space to do even more. Here in our north location, we had a Sunday in January. We had like 120 plus kids. It was awesome. On one service. And so we're going to be restructuring our space in kids, repurposing it to create a little bit of smaller classroom experience, but add more of them. Because what we're finding is that when kids get attention in a smaller number, they lean in more, they learn more, and they grow more. Because we're not just entertaining in kingdom kids for an hour and 20 minutes on a Sunday. We are equipping and preparing the next move of God to happen generationally in our church. And so there's a lot of exciting things that we're doing, naturally speaking. But let's speak a little bit about spiritual. We have a kingdom to build, but we have a city to reach. Let me just tell you, we are a great commission church. What Jesus told us to do, we take as high priority. In fact, the last thing he told us to do is the first thing we're going to do in the building of our church and in the reaching of our city. Now think about this is resurrected Jesus. Resurrected Jesus only has a few days and a few connecting moments to share with his followers what his priority and his plan is. But do you know that resurrected Jesus actually shared several commissions that sprinkled throughout the gospel and stories and even in the book of Acts? There's several things that Jesus said. Now we read the great one from Matthew, which is the big one, but Jesus has this theme running throughout all the Gospels of what he's sharing with his followers that they should follow with all of their heart. We see one in Luke chapter 24. Now, this is on resurrection night. Jesus had just risen from the dead, and he shows up at a dinner meeting the disciples are having. And he shows up, and first off, they all think he's a ghost. And so he eats something because ghosts can't eat. And he eats, and then he says with them, hey, what just happened was what was supposed to happen. It says in Luke 24, he told them, this is what, what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. But here's what's going to happen after that. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. You're the witness of what I'm trying to do for all of humanity. And I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you that my, what my Father has promised. In other words, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. But you got to stay in this place, in the city, until you've been, what, clothed with power from on high. It's pretty amazing. That, that's a, that's a, 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 a declaration of you're going to be a witness to the whole world. But you're going to need a power that's not of this world. You're going to think something supernatural on the inside of your life. In Mark 16, there's another one of these. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, we don't always talk about that one. We always talk about the excitement and anticipation of salvation. But what happens when they don't know and they don't believe? And this is not us to not have a heavy moment in church. This is for us to catch the heart of the Father. That does The Bible says he's not slow in keeping his promises. He does not want to see a single person go away from him. He wants to bring all of humanity to him. Every lost prodigal and every lost son and daughter, he wants to see restored to the love of the Father. But there's a part for us to play. In verse 17, and then you're going to receive this, this the signs are gifts of the Spirit that accompany those that believe, that there's ability to push back the darkness and kick out the demons. There's ability to speak in, in, in heavenly language. There's, there's all these signs that follow those that believe. Now, we read Matthew 28, so I won't read that one again. But he says, I've got all the authority in heaven and earth. And guess what? I'm empowering you with that authority. I'm going to give you that authority. Why? Because I'm with you even to the very end of the age. And here's the last one. It's in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is just about ready to leave. And he said to them, they asked this question, when are you going to restore everything back to the right order? He says, hey, that's not for you to know. 
It's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set. That's his own authority to decide. But let me tell you, until the end of it all, let me tell you what you're supposed to be doing in the meantime. It says you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, there's that word again, in Jerusalem, right here, in Judea, even in Samaria, which those are the people they didn't even like, even to the, 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 the fullness of the ends of the earth, you're gonna receive power to be a witness to the world around us. So our Vision Sunday for this year, as we're gonna linger in more prayer, we're also gonna position our hearts to take seriously the, these commissions of Jesus as a priority of ministry of this house and of this spiritual gathering of this church. See, what if we only focused on what resurrected Jesus told us to do? And as disciples of Jesus, we took seriously the last things he said are the first priority of our calling. We see a theme flowing through all these, these encouraging moments and challenges of Jesus for what we're supposed to keep as high priority. We see there's a major focus on salvation. How many know salvation is a big deal? How many know you would not be here today if it wasn't for the gift of salvation in your life? Secondly, we see baptism's a big deal to Jesus. The people wouldn't just have a prayer moment, but they would have a public moment, that they would live differently, that they would go public in the community of faith with what they believed about their old is gone and their new has begun. We, would, we see that there's a discipleship mandate on the church. It doesn't preaching just for salvation. It's teaching and training the ways of Jesus that bring transformation. That we can't just preach the gospel when they receive it and when they change, we teach them how to live. And there's a fourth one, which is kind of the wild card. It's the one maybe we don't talk about all that much, but there's this divine empowerment of the Holy Spirit that the presence of the living God is alive on the inside of you and gifts you and equips you to do things, spiritually speaking, you could not do in your own natural ability. What do we see? Jesus is saying, this is priority for me. You gotta lead the way in evangelism. You gotta lead the way in, 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 in making converts and reaching the lost. You gotta lead the way in people changing and coming alive in their relationship and going public in their faith. You gotta lead the way in teaching in a way that transforms and us holding each other accountable to look more like Jesus tomorrow than we do today, discipleship. And we also, we have to be leaders that are leaning into the presence of the living God. You can't accomplish all of those things without that empowerment to be the witness that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's crazy to think about that this month is kind of the beginning of the three-year anniversary of the whole stinking world getting turned upside down. I mean, think about it. It's been three years. I don't know about you, but it feels like 30 years. Like, it feels like so, like, and everybody I know in the last three years, there was so much, it kind of exposed, really, I think the heart of humanity. There was more isolation, and then there was more bickering and more infighting. And you Facebook hated like 30 people. And everyone was labeling everyone else. And we were all worried about information, disinformation, and politics, and racial prejudice stuff. All began to rise. And stuff that had always been there started getting exposed. It was a great revealing of where people were really at. And even when it comes to the church, like numbers of church attendance are at an all-time low, like a forever low in America. And all these things were, were being changed and dis, disrupted. And we see more hopelessness. In fact, I don't know a single family, a single person, that in some way, whether it's relationally, financially, or physically, wasn't dramatically infected, affected in the last three years. I mean, unless maybe you're like a hand sanitizer salesman. You were booming. <laughs> well done. But everyone was disrupted. And so this hopelessness and this anger and this animosity and so you could look at it and say, man, things have never been worse. And maybe there's some truth to that. But this is what I know, not about humanity, but what I know about our God. When things are at their worst, God is up to his best. When things look like they're tilting in the absolute long direction, we see this historically in the church. The church of the Holy Spirit's been going for 2,000 years, and it's not going to quit now that when everything seems like it's going wrong and there's war in Europe and there's war in political parties in our nation and there's war in your own family, 
that God is actually the Prince of Peace that's about ready to establish a new move of the Holy Spirit. Because why the enemy plays chess, or checkers, Jesus plays chess. He knows how to position pivotal moments to bring transformation and to bring revival. Jesus, when he witnessed a person in isolation, the woman at the well, a person who was in her own little lockdown of emotional distress and relational baggage, a person who was in her own crisis, he shares with her, reveals himself to her, and she goes and brings her whole community to meet him. And he speaks to the disciples in John chapter four and says, hey, you guys have this saying, right? For four more months and then the harvest will be here. In other words, it's not quite time, but it's almost time. But he says, pay attention to what I am telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are already ripe for harvest. The message paraphrase says, take a good look at what's right in front of you. It's harvest time. And so while everyone else is saying, I don't know about inviting people to church and I don't know about sharing my faith. I don't wanna get canceled in that group and I don't wanna impose that on them. That's when you're only looking at your own little circle and space and you're insecure about your status or your place. When Jesus has said, you're to be a bold witness. I'm gonna empower you with the Holy Spirit to do something bigger in you and through you than you even know you could ever have accomplished. In fact, you cannot do it apart from me. But guess what? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You've got me. You've got what it takes to change the world around you. And you get out of your little circle of insecurity and you actually open up your eyes and see that when humanity's at its worst, God is absolutely at his best. So we look up and it is time to reach our world. Uh, the studies show, and surveys, but even just talking to other pastor friends of mine, like church invitation and personal commitment to evangelism is at its absolute lowest, but not for long. How many know when things don't look like it's not popular to do, it's when people choose to push through and persevere in places of discomfort is when the comforter and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit does something radical. So what we're going to do as a church is we're not gonna live to the status quo, not even of the spiritual climate of our nation. We're gonna change it by the power of the Holy Spirit, by digging into evangelism like never before because you need to open your eyes and see that people are hurting out there and you have the hope of heaven living on the inside of you. You do. So we're gonna take 40 days and very spiritually and very practically impact our world. Ash Wednesday is coming up this week. That gives us seven weeks until Resurrection Sunday. That gives us 40 days to Good Friday. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna do 40 days and 40 ways to reach your world. Some of them are gonna be very spiritual and some of them are gonna be very practical because we believe that God does both things by like practical wisdom and also spiritual involvement and investment. In fact, you have on your seat uh, two of these cards, and the reason you have two is because you're gonna leave one here today. And you're gonna fill one out with the people that you are believing for them to know Jesus. I mean, I'm talking about, remember, Jesus said like those that believe are saved and those that don't believe are not. Like this is serious stuff that we get the privilege and the honor to be ambassadors of grace to a broken world. And so you need to fill this out with three people that you are believing to come to know Jesus. And if you are too saved and don't have three people, that's your job. You need to go find some sinners in your world to build relationship with and write them down. Because what we're gonna do is we're not just gonna write it down and put it in a little card, it's a cute little thing. No, we are all individually going to pray every single day that the lost would come home. And we're gonna pray collectively as a church family. In fact, every Wednesday morning, right here in this room, between now and Resurrection Sunday, we are praying for revival and we're praying for lost people to come home. I want everyone who says, this is my church, if you can at least make one prayer gathering show up. Make one. And if you can't on a Wednesday, for whatever reason, family, kids, work, you pray. The first thing on Wednesday morning we're gonna do as a church is we're praying over these cards, your individual card, and all of our cards together because we're just gonna give God something to work with. Like when Elijah set up the, when fire falls, he couldn't make the fire fall. But what he could do was build the altar. What he could do was take his part and put it on there. And he had such God confidence that it was gonna happen that he poured water out on all of it. And so what we're going to do is we cannot make revival happen. 
But we can humble ourselves and we can pray and we can turn from our wicked waves and we can seek his face. And what we can do is begin to pray for the lost. And what we can do is begin to encourage people practically. We can take our part and put an altar out there and say, God, if you want to breathe on it in a supernatural way, go ahead. We're at least going to give you something to work with. 40 days, we believe are going to be a revival unlike ever before because you have a world that God's called you to occupy and influence. You have a sphere, you have a circle, you have people around you that need the hope of heaven that lives on the inside of you. I read this story this week. In 1944, uh, Lieutenant Hiro Anoda of the Japanese military was commissioned with a squad of four to guard, protect a remote island in the Philippines. He was said, hold the island until we win the war. Well, at the end of World War II, they didn't win, but he didn't know. In fact, various leaflets and propaganda was dropped on the island. And when they read them and said that the war was over, he said, no, this is a trick of the enemy. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to keep defending my island. It wasn't until 1972. 1972. That was like the Bee Gees were around. He was still on the island staying alive. When Anoda's commanding officer came and read him the notice of surrender, only then did he relinquish his post. Now, we can laugh about that because the dude spent almost 30 years, 28 years, when the war was already over. But I actually love it and praise it because he wasn't waiting for what anyone else said. He was waiting for his commanding officer to say, it is finished. And we all have an island to own. We all have a neighborhood to occupy. We all have families that we're trying to reach and people that we deeply love. We've got coworkers that are around us and it is time for you to own and occupy your island. And I don't care what the news says about the world around us. I'm not listening to the propaganda. I'm gonna love them. I'm gonna serve them. But I am in boldness as a witness, been empowered by the Holy Spirit, going to share with them what has changed my life. Even in all my perfections, I'm going to be willing to bridge the gap between heaven and hell. And until my commanding officer returns and says, it is finished, I'm going to stay the course. And if we do that together, individual pockets of influence over the city, what would it look like when every one of us owns that place prayerfully and practically, in 40 days, I think we could plant seeds of a wave of salvation that we have never seen in our church before. So we pray seven Wednesdays in a row. In 40 days, we do the spiritual and the practical. And we're leaning into the spirit of evangelism again. Because the nation, the world, our city, your island needs it. With evangelism comes also discipleship that we're leaning into groups. We've had more people sign up to groups percentage-wise in our church than ever before, Kingdom, Kingsman groups and, and, and her future groups and even rec groups, family groups. But our groups are built around not just, not just connecting, it's about growing. That we be willing not to call everything out all the time, but no, as iron sharpens iron, we're gonna make each other better. Then if it's in God's word, it's the way that we go. Anything out of alignment in our life that doesn't line up with God's word, we're lovingly, gracefully encouraging each other to get her in alignment. Why? Because it says if we will turn from our wicked ways, if we will mature in our faith, if we'll go the right direction, then God hears, then God heals, then God forgives, then God restores, then breakout happens. You know, we've been uh, the young church in town. That's why I wore a hoodie today, even though I'm 41, I'm trying to stay forever young. But we, we were so the young church in town. In fact, a national article was written about us in another church. It's like, millennials are actually going to church. Because that was our entire church. I call it, it was a glorified youth group. It's a giant, giant youth group. And, uh, that, but we've grown generationally. Why? We just matured up. And now we're, oh, it's awesome, multiple generation church. I love that. That's the heartbeat of God that looks more like heaven. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But there's a whole other generation rising up. And so we got to be thinking about generational change. We talk about we're a church 100-year-olds in the making. Like, we've got to keep investing in kingdom kids. But there's this Gen Z's group that's growing up right around us in our universities, graduating from high school. Like, what are we going to do about that? So us as a church, we're going to lean in. We're going we're to try to pop up these prayer opportunities at different campuses. We believe there should be a move of God in KU. There should be a move of God in Mizzou. 
There should be a move of God in Park University. There should be a move of God in UMKC. There should be a move of God in Avalon. There should be a move of God in the new generation. I see Ed's eye. There's a move of God in K-State for Ed. This for Ed. What are we going to do about it? Well, I'm excited to announce that coming this fall, we're kicking off Kingdom College. A Kingdom College is in partnership with an accredited university that our young leaders in this house can spend a year or even just a semester with us as a church family and leadership and get college credit that they can apply to any university in the nation. That we give them a gospel worldview. This is not an internship. This is discipleship and education at the highest level to raise up and to equip the next great world changers. And if it's 20 kids, if it's 200 kids, if it's 2,000 kids in the future, we're gonna give God something to work with. And we believe out of this will flow not just a missions trip and a nice year in church. No, it's gonna unlock their spiritual gifting and calling because we refuse to settle and shrink back and let a generation go to waste. While we still have breath in our lungs, we're gonna speak life over Gen Z and we're gonna give them more opportunity to lead into the future than ever before. Evangelism, evangelism, discipleship. And then this one, the wild card, empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We are a Bible-believing church. I think Liz prayed this. And we are a Spirit-filled church. We believe that everything that happened in the New Testament, it is still happening. If you do not like that, I don't know what chapter and verse you have that says that stopped. But last time I checked, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And we need more Holy Spirit as we need more biblical wisdom. They work together in harmony. And we always teach the Bible, and we love the Bible. If it is in God's word, it's how we live. But we live with the divine empowerment that Jesus said he would send. He said, it's better that I go, that I could send the one. I could send the one that was promised. It's better that I'm not here, Jesus said, because when I'm here, all the authority and the power in heaven is here. But when I go, he's gonna send the spirit of all authority and power of heaven on you. And we see the... Disciples that ran from Jesus on the night of the crucifixion, before the crucifixion. We see Peter shrunk back. And wouldn't even say, they say that he rolled with Jesus to a slave girl. 40 days later, empowered by the Holy Spirit, gets up and what does he do? He prays, he prophesies, he preaches in front of 3,000 men. Boldness to be a witness. Boldness. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So after Easter, I know we've been preaching to the Bible in our Bible year, but after Easter, we're gonna take a significant season and we're gonna teach, teach, teach. I'm not gonna stir you up emotionally about the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna teach you what Jesus thinks about the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna teach you what the Word of God says about the presence of the living God on the inside of you. And from that biblical framework, we're gonna pursue the Holy Spirit. We're gonna invite him into our life and his gifting at work in our life. We're gonna have some encounter nights simply there where if you've been dry on the inside that the Holy Spirit would fill you to overflow. And we're gonna lean in because there are spiritual giftings for you. There's gifts of discernment and there's gifts of wisdom. There's gifts of prophecy and there's gifts of courage. There's gifts of leadership on your life. There's gifts of spiritual language for you. If you desire, there are gifts from heaven for your life. And if God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, that he says, all you gotta do, Jesus says, is ask what he will not give you his Holy Spirit. We're gonna lean in and learn, and then we're gonna ask. Because you might have grown up with wacky Holy Spirit in your life. I did, I was, I was raised by that. Um, but we're not gonna disqualify the thing that actually gives us courage to live a life of witness and boldness that we are all called to live. We will not change this world around us just by the principles teaching of God's word. It's in harmony with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna, why? Because we have a, a kingdom to build and a city to reach. And ultimately, I just wanna say this, two things that we say all the time, but I want you to grab a hold of in your spirit. People are the promised land. Not my little friend group, not just the good feeling I have at church, I hope you feel great. People are the promised land. 
Yes, I want God's promotion on your business. And I got God's blessing and restoration on your marriage. I want your kids to go on to change the world and go so much farther than we have. But people are the promised land. We are focused on what God's heart is after and it's lost people. It's lost people through salvation. It's lost people through discipleship. It's lost people through empowerment. We're gonna reach them and we're gonna help them grow. People in the promised land, it's God's glory or nothing else. This is not about our church. It's certainly not about me. This is all for the glory of God. In fact, if we could accomplish it with our own plan and purpose and our own vision, that's why we spent the time in prayer, because we're inviting God to do what only he can do. We're willing to do our part. We're willing to build the altar. We're willing to own our island. We're willing to love our neighbors. We're willing to grow in God's word. We're willing to invite the Holy Spirit in, but we can only do so much. God's gotta do his part, and he will. If we do, he will. And we wanna give him all the glory. There's a day coming in eternity where every accolade you have here on earth of doing life well for God, you receive a gift. The Bible says they're like crowns. But in this moment of Jesus kind of coming down the street, everyone just chooses, what is this worth anyway? I want to give it back to him. In other words, God, it's about your glory, not anything you've done for me or anything you've done through me. And I want our church to carry that spirit on this side of eternity, that we are not elite and we're not the ones that have all the answers, but we are the ones that carry the solution. We're the ones that carry Jesus to a hurting and dying world that's all around us. And as we grow as disciples and as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and as we occupy and own our own island, we will see revival happen in Kansas City and beyond. Do you believe that? Would you stand to your feet? I wanna pray for you. My voice is starting to fail. Jesus, don't fail me now. Can I pray for you, church? It was online, Lansing, I love you guys. Would you do this for me? Just as a posture of humility, would you just kind of open your hands as if to receive something? I know it seems small, but to me, that's just a symbol of a heart that's willing to obey, willing to open, willing to receive. God can do so much to that kind of heart. God, what an honor it is to pastor this church. I just want to say thank you for giving me another vision Sunday to lead our church. God, I get out of the way for a moment. And I want you to speak to every heart. I know you can use my prayer, but you don't need me. You got the presence on the inside of them. So I thank you that we tune into the frequency of heaven. All of our cares and concerns and all our plans and agendas, we just hit mute on for a moment. Invite the one who loves us the most, who knows us inside and out, the one who saved us, the one who made us, to speak to us. If we've grown cold in our heart for you, reignite our hearts again. If we need to repent and change, God, we're going to go a new direction. Lord, if we need to grow and mature in our faith, I think that you're building a better disciple grow us. We don't have all the answers. We invite your solution. Where we need more of the Holy Spirit, which all of us need more of the Holy Spirit, we invite him to be poured out in our life to overflow. Lord, when it comes to loving our world around us, I thank you. Maybe the whole world, the whole world might be going wrong, but not my island. Everyone else might be going the wrong way in humanity, but not my influence. That I will fight and I will love and I will serve and I will witness to the world around me. And as my world is changing, as our world is changing, and the world around us is reached, would you bring a ripple effect of revival that changes our city forever? Lord, help us always keep in heart with the people who are the promised land that our battle is not against another brother or sister, but there's uncommon unity in this house where there will be a commanded blessing of heaven. God, I thank you for our marriages to be strengthened and our kids to be raised up, for the generations to come. You really are building a hundred-year-old movement in the making, bigger than us, that matters for all of eternity. And Lord, help us to think about those that are yet to come. I pray for the generosity to continue to flow through this church, through House of Hope. And 
plaza up north and for our south that you provide for everything we need to do all that we're called to do. But God, I think it through it all is for your glory and not our own. I pray just an uncommon spirit of humility mixed with a hunger for what's on the heartbeat of heaven. Humility and hunger in this house. More of God in us. More of God for us. More of God working through us. More of God for Kansas City. More of God for the Midwest. More of God's grace. More of God's goodness. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this house, in this church, and in every individual. Thank you for the, the kingdom that we get to build one another and the city that we get to reach. What a privilege. Do this all in your name, Jesus. And if you are excited in an eager anticipation of kingdom come in this next season of our church, can we just take a moment and say amen and give him all the glory and all the honor and all the glory. How many know it's for his glory, not our own? Why don't we go ahead and glorify God for a moment? God, you're awesome. You've been so faithful 12 years and eternity ahead. We honor and glorify you and you alone. King Jesus, sit on the throne of every heart and on every life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm over time and I thank you for your patience. I don't take that for, for granted. But I do want to leave one last prayer. A commitment to Jesus' prayer, a salvation prayer. Maybe you came here and you haven't been a part of our church here. Maybe you, can't, you came here and haven't been alive to Jesus. Maybe you were at one season and you've kind of gone your own way. We give this moment to, to pray together as a family, but this is your own personal de decision. Growing up in church does not make you saved. It might make you a little spiritual, but it does not make you saved. Saying yes to Jesus, receiving his grace, repenting from your sins and receiving his forgiveness, that brings salvation into your life. And we are a church that believes salvation can happen at any moment. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today could be your day. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes just to give sanctuary to the person next to us? If you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, do not miss the greatest decision in all of eternity. If you're here, maybe you have said yes, but you know you've gone your own way. You've got a hardness in your heart, maybe towards God, or you feel distant from Him. It's time to return back home. If either one of those are you, you need a fresh start with Jesus. But don't look around. If that is you, we're going to pray all together, but you need to make your own decision for yourself. If that's you, you say, Pastor Kyle, today I need a new beginning with Jesus. I need to start over again, or I need for the very first time to give Him my heart. Can you just raise your hand and say, that's me today. I see one hand up. There's two of you. There's three of you. That's awesome. Four of you, five of you. That's awesome. Beautiful. I see you in the back corner. Beautiful. Can we all pray together as one family of faith? By the way, church, this is the best part of church. Amen. We can lift up our heads, open our eyes, because this is a celebration moment of salvation. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, I need you. I want you. I believe you want me. So much so that you sent Jesus to bridge the gap between my sinfulness and your holiness. The price of my sins has been paid in full. It's been canceled on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness and I follow you. I'm saved, set free, filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And a celebrating torch. Celebrate church, come on, beautiful.